right into our lesson again tonight. Amen. Talk about growing in Christian character again tonight. Amen. We just feel like this is the path that God has us on, and he's trying to bring us to a point, amen, in our walk with him that we build this thing called character in our lives, that we get come to know him, that we grow and be more like him. We talked last month about growing in God and growing in Christ, and hopefully there were some things spoken or some things said that will help us to grow and be more like Jesus each and every day, because that's his overall goal. Amen. So this month, we want to focus on growing again in Christian character in your paper. Uh, you, As we go through this thing, there's some areas we're going to touch on, and tonight I'm going to be talking a little bit about ethics. Amen. But I want to start with our theme scripture, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26. Jesus, amen, through the Apostle Paul, as the scripture tells us, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, instructions, and righteousness, that the man of God should be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good work. Paul, right into the church of Galatia, chapter 5, verse 22 to 26, says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. You know, we call it the fruits of the Spirit, but I like to call it the character of God. Because I feel that these are things that God desires that we grow in these things in our lives because they do, they affect our character. So what does the Bible say about Christian character? Character is defined as the strength of moral fiber. A.W. Tozer described character as the excellence of moral beings. As the excellence of goal is, the, is, and it is its purity and the excellency of art is its beauty, so the excellency of man is his character. Amen. Beauty is only skin deep. <laughs> You need to look at their character. Persons of character are noted for their honesty, ethics, and charity. The scriptures of such as a man of principle, a woman of integrity, are assertions of character. A lack of character is moral deficiency. And persons lacking character tends to behave dishonestly, unethically, and uncharitably. Building character demands the honesty to determine your own character weaknesses. Have you demonstrated the self-discipline and the will on which strong and honorable character is based? How have you handled tough situations? You build strong and honorable character by hard work, study, and challenging experiences. You must develop habits that force you to continually develop your mind and Character. Develop your mind and character. The better you understand yourself, the easier it is to exercise your will and self-discipline, and the more you will strengthen your character. A person's character is the sum total of his or her disposition, thoughts, intention, desire, and action. It is good to remember that character is gauged by general tendencies, not on the basis of a few isolated actions. We must look at the whole life. Character is influenced and developed by our choices. Scripture says, but Daniel purposed in his heart 
that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel 1 verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself in Babylon, and that godly choice was an important step in formulating an unassailable integrity in his life. Character in, character influences our choices. King Solomon states, The integrity upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Proverbs 11.3 Character will help us weather the storms of life and keep us from sin. He that walketh uprightly, according to Proverbs 10.9, walketh surely, but he that is perverse in the way is shall be known. Amen. So just in that passage there, we notice, as it says here, amen, that you must develop habits that force you to continually to develop your mind and your character. Now, we know that Paul tells us in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we're going to build our character, we have to change the way that we think. We have to understand that our minds are running rampant with so many things that are coming after us on a day-to-day basis. So we have to focus our thoughts and make sure that we're staying focused with them on the things of God. As Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, 26, 3, he'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Amen. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that talks to us, that guide us to keep our minds focused. Amen. What do you think that is? What do you think there's so many scriptures that try to get us to stay focused and keep our minds on Jesus Christ? We wander off. Say again. Okay. As a man thinking in his heart, so is he. Say, Proverbs 23, 7. So we've got to stay focused on the Lord. This is why Paul tells us in Philippians 4, he says, Finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Amen. We've got to keep our mind focused because when you start as a, as a Christian, you realize the enemy is going to try to destroy you. His, his goal, as Jesus says, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so if he can distract you, then you're going to do wrong. And see, and so therefore character is designed to build you. Is is the moral fiber that making those right choices and right decisions in your life. And as Christians, we must realize this is very important because usually we make wrong choices, and a lot of times is because we're not staying focused. 
So we want to talk tonight a little bit about ethics. Number one on your paper there, how do what how ways to grow our character? We talk about ethics here to be ethical. Ethics are principles of standards that guide you to do the moral and right thing, what you ought to do. <clears throat> Every born-again believer has three general ethical responsibilities. Number one, to be a good role model. To be a good role model. People are modeling their lives after you. If you've got children, your children is modeling after you. They're looking to you. Amen. To be a good role model. Their teacher don't need to be their role model. You need to be their role model. You know, Charles Barkley once says to, and everybody got mad at him, he told the parents at a conference when he says, I'm not your kid's role model. He said, I'm just an athlete. He says, your parents should be their role model. You know, which is true. Amen. So we need to make sure that we're a good role model. Whether we like it or not, we're on display all the time. We play in a glass house. Amen. People are watching everything that we do. Your actions says more than your words. People are always looking at your behavior. Number two, you must help develop others ethically. You develop others ethically by teaching them how to reason clearly about ethical matters, and you must be always honest. The two people you must always be honest with is, number one, God. And the second person is yourself. You need to always be honest with yourself, and you need to always be honest with God, because God is always watching you. Number three, you need to avoid creating ethical dilemmas for other people. In other words, you don't want to have people doing things that are unethical and not right. Yeah. When I was in the military, amen, just uh, about everything that we did was focused things. Every time I turn around and we was having inspections or we we're going to classes to talk about ethics because people's integrity, people would go on temporary duty and they fill out, they lie on their, on their travel vouchers and, and people would get in trouble, uh, for lying on their trouble, uh, travel vouchers. They say they ate this place or they stayed here and they didn't do it. And as a result, a lot of them was getting caught because they was being paid more money to say I stayed here. I ate there, I went here, and as a result of that, a lot of them was getting in trouble. I've seen so many people in that military uh, get reduced in rank for ethical violations, you know, uh, you name it. There was so much stuff that was going on. Well, when I came into the church, it surprised me that the church was not focusing on ethics. Amen. It's as though the church just assumed because somebody has the Holy Ghost, they're ethical. And see, and as a result, I've seen a lot of people, even in the church, get in a lot of, of trouble. Amen. Just because a person is baptized in Jesus' name, ethics is very important. When you look at the Word of God, the overall thing about ethics is it is the Word of God. Amen. From the time that God gives us the Ten Commandments, those second six, you know, is basically ethical dilemmas or ethical standards that God has put into place. You know, respect your parents. 
don't steal, don't kill. All these things are very important to you as a child of God. So you have to ask yourself, are you being ethical? So there is so much violation. And Christians, as I said earlier, are some of the worst violators of ethics. And you don't even think about it. you got people that say, this is your church. But you'll go to another church. And you don't even say a thing about, can I go? Or ask, can I go? One of the things I get a lot of times, pastors call me. And they'll say, hey, do you know so-and-so came to my church? That's unethical when you do that. You can't just jump the way you want to think you jump and be an ethical, because ministers deal with ethical things, see? So you're, you're, if you're going to be honest and open, then you need to get permission to go to those other churches. You don't know what you're running into a lot of times. You don't know what is going on in other places. See, it's for your protection, see? So you never want to go to another church, whether I'm your pastor or not. You know, if you call this your church and you choose to go to another church and you don't tell me and I get a call, you're unethical. See, you're you're putting your integrity in jeopardy. If somebody else is your pastor and you go to a different church without telling them, that's being unethical. Remember the golden rule. You're always doing to others as you would have them to do unto you. Okay? So you have to remember these kind of things when you're studying and following God's principles and God's laws and God's rules. A lot of people don't like that kind of things. Okay? So, you know, you get people that invite people to come to their church. You don't do that without having them to get clearance. See? You don't want to put them in an ethical dilemma. Because if they miss their church and then the pastor find out they came here, then the first thing, a lot of times it can create disunity between the ministry. When someone walks through this door, this one from one of our other churches, you know what the first thing I do as soon as church is over? I call them. And I let them know, so-and-so was here from your church today. To make sure they know. See? We got to do right things. I'm not trying to control you. I'm just trying to let you know how God sees things ethically and right. See, we've got to move on in these things. Amen. We want to grow together. Amen. We don't want to be unethical saints. It's the same way we talked about gossip and other things. You don't do that. That's being unethical. Okay? Granted, you can talk about things, but edify, build up, strengthen the body of Christ. Amen. Remember, we're role models. We're called to be role models. Somebody is looking at us. And so we must realize these these things in our lives. Amen. Don't bash other people. That is also unethical. Amen. We must deal with things in our lives that are right. God wants us to do right. James says, therefore, to him to know to do good 
and do it not, what is it? It's sin. See, you can't read the Word of God and walk away and keep doing wrong. Proverbs 29.1 says, He that be not reproved, hard in his neck, shall be destroyed, and that without remedy. Amen. So we've got to keep our moral codes and our moral standards intact. Amen. Ethics in the Bible refers to a system of, of theories produced by study, interpretation, and evaluation of that biblical morals. It includes the moral code. Amen. One of the things about the moral code is this. You show others the same kind of respect that you would like to have yourself. You show others the same kind of respect you would like to have yourself. Always do the right thing, no matter whether you benefit from it or not. Amen. You do the right thing all the time. Number three, never kill, steal, lie, or cheat. Hello? Amen. Number four, think before you act. How will your actions be seen? Number five, remember to be honest and fair. Always be honest and fair. Amen. You don't have all that. I'm just shared with you. My notes is always so much longer because I get the studying afterwards and I get so much other stuff from God. So it just keeps going on and on and on. Okay. So if I if I put all my notes on your notes, you have about 30 pages. <laughs> Maybe one of these days I'll get a chance to sit down and start doing the, using the backboard up here. Amen. But ethics, amen, when you look at the Word of God, it provides the pattern for more reasoning that focus on our conduct and our character and what is sometimes referred to as our virtue ethics, our behavior showing high moral standards here. Amen. So we got to realize, as I said, that you get into the Word of God and you begin to look at the Word of God and if God begins to speak to you. It begins to show you these things. If you remember Deuteronomy 28, when Moses is giving the children of Israel another relook of the laws of God, he lists all these things that if they do, they'll be blessed. But if they don't do, they'll be cursed. And that's what we do. We need to learn that if we do right, what? We'll be blessed. We'll be accepted. And kind of like the Lord told Cain from the onset, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if not, what? Sin is going to be at the door. In other words, wrong is going to be there automatically. So you have to grow to a point as a child of God that you know how to make right choices and right decision. You've got to realize that your decision, your actions is going to affect someone, whether you or someone who's looking after you. You are called to be a child of God. Amen. And your God is holy. Your God is righteous. Your God is pure. So you've got to be ethical in everything that you do. 
Amen. You don't fudge and lie on your tax returns. Amen. You want to be honest about these kind of things. You know, you want to make sure that you are having a higher standard of living than what the world does. You expect these things at the world because the world doesn't know what you know. See, you've got the book. You've got the moral code, the word of God. And so you have to learn how to follow the moral code. That's why God got Saul in so much trouble. He would never do what was right. He wanted to do his own things. He kept doing wrong, and as a result, he lost his kingdom. Amen. The warning signs are there for us. God shows us what's right. You know, and what is versus wrong. When we read his word, all those things are there for our learning, the Bible tells us. And so, therefore, to build our ethics and to build our character right, we need to live right all the time. Our standards of conduct, those moral ethics habits, and then established by our authorities, we have code of conducts constantly, you know, in the organizations. You know, how many times does people say, oh, I'm apostolic? But yet you go and do the wrong thing. Hello? Are we here? Amen. So, <laughs> you know, you see, one of the things about ethics in the Bible is you get a lot of people that likes to criticize it or call it uh, immoral because, you know, they say, well, why would God kill all these people? Why would he let people be in slavery and all these things of that kind of nature? Well, because people make their own choices. Amen. So we have to realize the value of having a strong moral code, strong moral standards, following and obey the word of God to strengthen ourselves in the things of God. As we saw a few months ago as we were studying, we talked about habits. We have to get in the habit of doing right. If I get in the habit of doing right, then I'll keep doing right. But if I never get to that point the way I'm doing right, what's going to happen? I'm going to keep doing wrong. If I get in the habit of lying, I'm going to keep lying. If I get in the habit of fudging, I'm going to keep fudging this to see how much I can get away with. See? But it's not going to work with God. If we already know that wrong can enter there, when are we going to wake up? I don't know when he's coming. See? So I have to practice good, strong, moral living in my life. Amen. Let's look at a few things that we need to realize. Amen. Number one, Christian ethics teaches us how to live. Christian ethics teaches us how to live. One of the things about, you know, being a Christian is most people don't know how to live. We don't know how to live. We're trying to get everybody else to teach us how to live when God's Word tells us how to live. Amen. People struggle in life because they don't know how to live. 
People are burning themselves out every day because they don't know how to live. The Lord told Joshua, he says, don't ever let this book of the law depart from your mouth. He says, when you do and you keep it, you will be strong and you will have good success. That's all we need. Paul tells us, Timothy, he writes, he says, if you have food and clothes, be what? Content. Amen. We've got to learn how to be content, and we've got to realize we can be successful by holding to the Word of God. Because if not, I'm going to try to get rich quick. I'm going to try to, to do something that's going to cause me to be unethical. See? So I have to realize this. I want to live. I don't, I don't want to not live. You should be excited. Some people are working all of their lives trying to get a little missing for my retirement. And then by the time you get old, you're, you're so wore out, you can't even enjoy it. Hello? Are you there? Amen. You have to be careful. Amen. Christian ethics all ask what the whole Bible teaches us about which act, which attitude and person your character traits receive God's approval and which ones does not. Everything about the Bible asks us that question. Which one of our actions, which about our attitude and our personal character traits that gives God's approval? Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. You want to please God with your life. So you've got to learn how to live. Paul says in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. No, you're not that so many of us have been baptized in Jesus' name, was baptized in his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism, that as like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, so this new life that we have now must not reflect the old life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So therefore, my ethical behavior, my moral standards, my moral code, my behavior, and my action and my conduct should be a reflection of the Word of God, not the world anymore. I bear it, the old God, my lying, my cheating, my unrighteous, my unholiness, my uh, everything that the world I did wrong should be behind me. And I should be looking to do what is right and all that I'm doing. Why? Because I want to please God. I want to please Him. Amen. If my life does not please God, then I'm doing something wrong. Amen. You've got to realize the value here. Amen. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through verse 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through verse 7. 
Paul says, this is the will of God. You ever want to know what the will of God is? You ever hear people say, oh, man, I wish I knew what the will of God is. Well, here it is. You got another place, he said, pray without ceasing. That's the will of God. Amen. And when you pray, guess what? You won't faint, right? We heard that Sunday, right? You won't quit. You won't throw in the towel. You won't give up. Amen. Prayer keeps you close to God. Prayer keeps you more cold in contact. Prayer keeps the standard that you have set and what God has set in contact. Amen. You come before his presence. Amen. In a righteous and holy way. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Amen. That every one of you should know what? Do you know how to possess, I mean, possess your vessel? Hello? Do you know how to take care of you? You should... Not me take care of you. You take care of you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You're not your own. You are brought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is Christ's. So you belong to God. So every one of you should know how to possess your vessel, your life, how to live so that you don't die. Don't kill yourself over things that doesn't matter. So you've got to learn how to possess this thing. You've got to be right. You've got to be holy. You've got to be pure. You've got to learn how to make right choices and right decisions. You've got to get, learn how to get up and get out of there. You know, you've got to know. Amen. You want to learn how to possess your vessel and sanctification and holiness and purification and honest and how to live. Do you know how to live? If you know how to live, you shouldn't be depressed. If you know how to live, you shouldn't have suicidal thoughts. Come on. You are the child of the king. You've got to know how to possess this thing. You've got to know how, as David says, get up. That's why he talks in the psalm. What's wrong with your soul? Don't you trust in God? It says, I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. See, I've got to realize that God's word is designed to help me to become what he wants me to be. See, I've got to learn how to make right choices and right decisions so I don't keep pulling myself down into the pit. Because if I am not ethical, what am I doing? I'm pulling myself down. That's why the book of Proverbs, you hear me say it all the time, is a book of what? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That book is designed to give us godly character. Amen. To help us to be what God wants us to be and what he wants us to become. We've got to learn how to possess this thing. Time is running out. And we're going to stand before the judgment seats of God. 
And I want to hear him say, well done, that good and faithful servant. But if I'm not ethical, I'm not going to hear those words. I'm going to hear them, part from me, you that work iniquity. Amen. We've got to learn how to possess this thing. So we live. We live here, we live there. He's came to give us life, and that more abundantly. Amen. So I've got to learn how to have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15 to 21. Amen. You want to go there in your Bibles real quick. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 to 21. And he said unto them, Take heed to yourselves, and beware of what? Covetousness. Why? Because a man's life does not consist in the things he possesses. You can have the cattle on a thousand hills. You can have a house big as Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you know, you have the Grand Canyon. It's not about what you possessed. Amen. That's not life. Life is all about Christ. If I got Jesus, I've got everything. I have need of nothing. For man's life consists not in the things which he possesses. And in verse 16, and he spake a parable to them that the blood of a certain rich man brought them plenty. And he says, Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to to restore my fruits. And he says, That's what I'll do. I'll pull down the other barns and I'll build greater. And I, there I will restore my fruit and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you got it made, man. I say to my soul, soul, you got much good. Kick back. You got many years laid up there, soul. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all those things be which thou possess? So is everyone that is not rich towards God. We want to be rich in the things of God. You want his word to be overflowing. You want his treasures to be overflowing. Everything about God, you want to be rich in these things, and the fruit, and the knowledge, and the understanding, and the wisdom of God. You want your life to be overflowing abundantly more and more. Amen. So when we study the Word of God, it's designed to bring us to like Him, to we make right choices. You've got to get to a point where you're not being led astray. You are the old guy's gone. You're not the old guy. You can't think the way the old guy thinks. You must think afresh. You must think anew as the new man thinketh. Man, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. As Paul says in Galatians 5, this I say then, amen, and Romans 8, excuse me, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the flesh is what? It's warring. 
The flesh is always going to try to get you to do wrong. See, so therefore you have got to learn to do what is right all the time. Because you want to be a good role model. You want people to be able to see that you make right choices, right decisions. You want to be able to help people to develop ethically. You want to be able to help them not to make wrong choices and wrong decisions. You got to teach them right. The world that we live in, everything is unethical now. You see it everywhere you turn. You know, people fill out applications that lie and cheat and steal. It's constantly. It's becoming the norm. But there's an end. We got to realize this. The four elements of professional ethics are number one, loyalty. The state of quality of being loyal. Are you loyal to God? Are you loyal to yourself? Are you loyal to your employer? Are you loyal to each other? You must learn loyalty. Amen. Loyalty is the general use, is the devotion and faithfulness to a nation, a cause, philosophy, a country, a group, or a person. When you look at John 6, 53 through 71, Jesus even put his disciples to the test, to test on loyalty. He says, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And the Bible says many went back and followed him no more. No more. And Jesus turned to his disciples and he says, and then will you go away also? Peter says, Lord, where are we going? You have the words of eternal life. And we are persuaded that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Your loyalty will be tested. See? So therefore, you must learn loyalty to those you are serving with, to the group, to the persons, to the church. You must be faithful because God is faithful. Duty. Duty is a moral or legal obligation, a responsibility, a task of action that someone is required to perform. And Luke chapter 17, verse 7 through 10. But which of you, Jesus says, I'll read from up there, having a servant plying the field with cattle, feeding cattle, will say unto him by the and by, when he is come from the field, go sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Does he think that servant because he did the things that was commanded of him? He says, No, I don't think so. So, so likewise you, when you have done all those things that are commanded of you, say we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty. Amen. When you've done everything that was required of you, say that we have done 
our duty. Performing one's duty may require some sacrifice or self-interest. You may have to let go of some of your interests to fulfill the duties that God has asked you to do. The duty may arise from a system of ethical morality here. Amen. So you have to realize we've got to perform our duty. On my honor, I will do my duty to God and my country, right? So you've got to do your duty. What is required of you? What is God asking of you? That becomes a duty for you to perform. When you read the Word of God, this is what James says, you just can't be a hearer of the Word, you have to be a doer of God's Word. So you have a duty from God to be ethical. You have a responsibility to be ethical in everything that you do as a child of God. It becomes a duty. It becomes loyalty that you must perform here. Amen. We need to get to the point to where where no longer says, if I have to, do I have to? No. I get to. Amen. We should be teaching ethics by our lifestyle, our behavior, our conduct, and our conversations. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore we are to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any times we let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoke by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Amen. We ought to do the things that are written in the word of God. We ought to do those things that are written in the Word of God. We've got to learn how to live. I don't want to get all the way to the end and hear, you didn't do this. You didn't obey my Word. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't want to hear that. I want to live. Amen. We must live so others can see how to live. Let your light shine, Jesus says, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. So it, it, it teaches us how to live. That's what character is. Because if I make a right choice, I think the scripture says, you kiss your lips, right? Give the right answer. <laughs> you know, you think about it. If I'm right, who's going to find me wrong? If I'm doing right, if I'm making right choices, my behavior, 
my conduct, my actions, my lifestyle. Am I like Christ? I have to ask myself those kind of questions on a day-to-day basis. When I read the Word of God, I have to ask myself, am I doing what I'm reading? This is not a game. This is a life and death situation. He died that I could live. I think the writer of Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I want to be able to know when I depart, I'm out of here. I'm excited because I've lived right. I want to wake up in the morning with joy in my soul. I want to wake up each day that I have to live and realize that God has been good. And he's still good. Amen. And I don't have anything to worry about. I want to be able to wake up with a smile on my face and with a smile in my heart and a skip in my dip or whatever. You know, I want to live. I don't want to go through life worried about so many things. Yes, we have issues. Yes, we have circumstances. We, we already know those things are going to come. But that's why the scripture tells us to rejoice. When they come, rejoice. That's living. Amen. The ultimate basics for Christian ethics is the moral character of God. God delights in his all moral character, which is supremely good, unchanging, and eternal. His moral standards for humans begins flows from his moral character, and therefore they apply to all people and all cultures for all history. Although the Bible also contains many temporary commands intended only for specific people at specific time. God is love, so what does he do? Commands that we love. John says in first John four eight, let us love one another, because God is love. See? He is holy, and he commands us to be holy. First Peter one fifteen to sixteen. Amen. We are commanded to be holy even as he's holy. He's set apart, he's separated. So we have to be holy. Amen. Since God is holy, we profess to be his followers. We also ought to be holy. God is merciful, and he commands us to be merciful. Luke 6, 36. Be ye therefore merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Jesus says on the summit of the mount, amen, blessed are the merciful. You attain mercy. You reap what you sow. Amen. He is truthful. He commands us to be truthful. God's moral character and the historical fact that he has given us moral commands provide the basis for Christian answers to the questions of how we can move from is statements to alt statements and ethics. Of which, when we, for the time, we ought to be teachers, Paul says, you have need that one teach you 
again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God and become such as have a need of milk and not strong meat. Hebrews 5.12. We ought to be teachers of ethics. We ought to be teachers. Every one of us. Why? Because we have the ultimate ethics in us. Jesus Christ. Amen. Every choice, every decision, he has given us what? An example. So if I say I'm his, then my life should be a life of ethics. Right choices, right decisions, holiness, purity. Amen. Everything should be about him and my life. I do the right thing all the time, whether nobody is watching or not, because he's always watching. He's observing, and the enemy of our soul is observing. See? So I have to learn to do what is right at all times and at all costs. Sometimes it hurts. That's the, that's the uniqueness. You know, with ethics, is sometimes it really hurt. You know, it, it, even sometimes with friends, if, if you know someone is, is cheating or doing something wrong and you are caught in the middle, you have to make a choice. Do I still be honest or do I support wrong? Sometimes it's not easy, but you've got to realize honesty is the only policy that there is. It's not a choice. You have to be honest in all things. You know, whether you love somebody, you know, and that is some tough things to do sometimes. When you know, you know, it's going to cost a whole lot to some people's lives. But you have to be honest, you know, because your integrity is at stake. Amen. Amen. So we're going to focus a little bit on ethics this month. We're going to talk and focus some more on our thoughts. We're going to talk about virtue, all these things. So you, you've got to, to realize how important, I want you to realize how important these things is in our walk with God as we grow in him. Because these are the things God is commanding us in these last days as he's getting ready for his church. Amen. And he, and he wants us to be ready because none of us know the moment or the hour. But I want to be excited to hear him say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Amen.